Hey friends, this is Boss Barista. I'm Ashley Rodriguez. I'm Alicia Adams, and I'm the director of coffee at Red Bay Coffee. I love that you're on the show with me because one of my most like visceral coffee memories is tasting coffee with you. And I mean, this might be a little bit embarrassing, but yeah. I would like watch you cup a coffee and then like give a flavor note. And I would like almost like try to sneakily like taste that coffee right after you did and uh-huh. be like, oh my God, she's right. Like, <laughs> this is, it was just like so inspiring to see you taste coffee and to like really like discern your notes in like such a clear way. I've never cupped with anybody like you. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I, I, I've never cupped with anybody like me either. I'm, I'm, I'm really, uh, I didn't always have that ability. I, I used to be that person who would overhear people cupping and be like, wow, I didn't taste that. And like, what is going on? There's all these, I put down like one note and somebody would have four. And I, I there definitely was a time where I couldn't do that. Um, but when I realized that I wanted to, then I just, I just cupped as much as I could cup. And uh, how, how did you get into coffee? Uh, so it was kind of by a little bit of, ch- a, a lot of chance, a little bit by accident um, and a little bit out of a uh, kind of, desperation of not having a job. Um, so I'm, I'm originally from the East Coast and I moved across the country without a real plan and did a, a lot of different types of jobs. Um, worked in you know the medical field. I've worked in just different office type settings and nothing really was sticking after you know we're having an actual career working at a hospital. And um, I, I think I got fired from my desk job um, at a physical therapy office. And I didn't have any clue what I was going to do at that point. I had only been living in the Bay area for one year. I had just moved to Oakland and, um, yeah. So then I was just walking around Lake Merritt, which was my neighborhood back then. And, uh, there was a cafe right by the lake that was, uh, being built out and I just popped my head in and was kind of like, are you guys hiring? Um, and they had me come back the next day. I'd never worked with coffee. I, I mean, I drank a ton of coffee already. Um, I wasn't really into specialty coffee. Like I would, I would drink Starbucks every once in a while, but I really loved Blue Bottle at that point. And then, um, yeah. And then I, from that point that I was working at a cafe that was a Blue Bottle wholesale account and they had this amazing, like beautiful lever espresso machine. It was a Cuban, uh, restaurant and cafe. So I learned all of the really great espresso technique on this beautiful machine, like never having never pulled a shot of espresso before, um, working on this beautiful lever machine. I can't, I think it was an Astoria, something like that. But, um, and then from there, I, I was just trying to keep working. I hadn't really found my passion yet, or I mean, I really loved what I, I love dialing in. I love learning latte art, but I didn't know that I could have a career in coffee. This was just kind of a, um, a job and I worked at, then I found that I could get jobs easier because I had this coffee skill, like, so working at restaurants, um, you know, trying different things. And I kind of bounced back and forth with the idea of what I wanted to do with my life until, um, I met my coffee community kind of by chance and, uh, in the neighborhood, neighborhood baristas started making friends of people who were working at cafes across the street from me. And they invited me to my first, uh, Bay area, 
coffee community throwdown. And then from there, it still took another maybe two years before I wanted and figured out, or maybe no, maybe a year after joining BACC that I figured out that I wanted to, I should probably focus um, on coffee as a career and work for a coffee roastery and stop working at, um, you know, wholesale accounts because I thought I was making more tips, but I wasn't learning as much as I could and wasn't really setting myself up for a long-term career. So that's when I started uh, applying around and I mostly wanted to uh, work at Blue Bottle at that time. And uh, from there, you know, it was kind of like just trying to keep moving forward and learn as much as I could too. It's it's interesting that you like kind of define like your moves in your career based on like learning, like almost learning steps. You're like, okay, I learned this, but like now it's time to go learn this. Like it seems like you were really active about like your own education and like where you were at professionally. Yeah, and I, I definitely asked um, for advice from a couple different um, mentors that I've had uh, who worked in coffee while I was still a barista. I'd be like, well, how do I you know, I, I didn't, I don't think I ever said like, how do I get here? But I had, they were asking me like, well, why don't you do this? Or why don't you, why do you still work at restaurants? And I was like, you know, this has just been a money thing for me up until now. I didn't really take it that seriously. Like, you know, I, I went to school for cl- clinical laboratory science and I was out in California, just like working at restaurants. My parents were like, are you going to grad school? And I was like, what are you talking about? Who's going to pay for that? I don't know. I'm just out here figuring out what I wanted to do because my uh, previous job really wasn't um, allowing that. I like, I have a very analytical mind and, um, and I, that helps tremendously with coffee, but there was this whole other side of me that wasn't really being expressed through that job, which is a little bit more creative. And um, I really didn't know, I couldn't verbalize that at that time, but I just was like, the only way I knew how to do it was just do the complete opposite, which was just bounce around from jobs, figure it out, do, you know, random gigs. I did some day of coordinating for weddings. You know, I, I've done, I've done a lot of different things in that <laughs> few years. I just tried, I just tried everything. And then coffee was just like money. Like I could just work and uh, I kept coming back to coffee or even getting pushed back into coffee. And then it, I, I really got pushed into it. Um, at the point where I went to, I think my first uh, coffee event I went to that was beyond the BACC was a barista nation in LA. I forget what year, but probably like six years ago now or so. Um, And I was like, what? There's all these people here talking about coffee. (laughs) Like I'm in this warehouse, like what is going on? So then, then that was like, that was the whole turning point where I was like, okay, I heard all of these women speak and about their jobs and they're doing really cool things and traveling and tasting coffee. And then I was like, okay, I need to, I need to step it up. (laughs) What at that point, like appealed to you? Like, what were you like, Oh, this is what I want to do. Or like that person has a job I want. Um, I think probably, well, I mean, at that point I still really loved coffee. Like I, I loved, um, you know, it was becoming more a part of my life. I, I just loved, brewing coffee and I love being a barista, but I really saw, I just heard so many people from different perspectives speaking, um, and how they got into it. And they, they're the biggest takeaway I think from that 
uh, that barista nation um, event was that they all started as baristas at least 90% of the people who I heard speak, they had all started as baristas. And here I was like, you know, with my bachelor's degree, like thinking that I had made it at one point and being totally unhappy, uh, start feeling like an older barista, you know, um, cause I didn't, I didn't, uh, work as a barista in college or anything, or even high school or I, I got a late start to coffee. That's how I was feeling at that point. And, um, to hear that they all started as baristas, and I was like, okay, well, I've just been like paying my dues into this industry that you can work your way up in without even knowing it. And now I'm ready to like really put a focus on it. And I have like three years under my belt or whatever it was at that time. So I had already been like in not even knowing, you know, at what level I was working at kind of, except that when I went to different restaurants to work I was like oh man you guys don't dial in or do this stuff you know that I learned <laughs> like what are you doing here so then I was an asset to you know whatever restaurant I was working in without really you know I always kind of just fell into this quote unquote lead barista role because I would be the only one to dial in because I just refused to drink like bitter or sour tasting coffee so I would just do that for myself mostly <laughs> and then it would help other people but I was just kind of like oh I can I know how to fix this um, and it was just something as simple as adjusting the grind or whatever. And it just made a, you know, I would have my regulars who would just want me to brew their coffee. And they, you know, then I was, felt like I was part of the community. And then it just all, you know, it all kind of formed. But it, it took me, I would say I probably didn't realize it right away. And I had a couple people ask me why I was doing, why I was doing it the way I was doing it. And I didn't have a good enough answer. So then I was like, all right, well, that's, there it is. And I have to apply for Blue Bottle. And so then what was, yeah, what was like the next step for you then to kind of like take your career a little more seriously? Yeah. So when I finally got hired at Blue Bottle, they actually uh, rejected me the first time. (laughs) Um, When I actually got hired at Blue Bottle, I was very clear that I wanted a career in coffee. And uh, from there, I applied, I think, two or three times for a lead barista position. And I think I finally got it the third time. And, um, then I helped, I was the first, uh, I was the lead barista when they opened, uh, the Sansom location in the financial district. And that was kind of an amazing experience to kind of be part of the store opening. And, uh, the, the, I don't know if you've been to that location, but it's beautiful, like white marble and high, super high ceilings and just kind of, it has a very East coast vibe to it. And I really like kind of felt a little nostalgic. Uh, to that being an East Coaster, you know, just having all the brick and marble and just kind of this grand. Um, and the building is just like a super old historic building um, in San Francisco. So, uh, yeah, that was that was the big turning point for me, um, knowing that I could push my coffee. I really wanted a coffee education, um, and I considered that, you know, taking an entry level position at Blue Bottle, even though I had years of barista experience was just that next step that was going to get me to, um, to whatever I wanted to do after that, which was still kind of like, I was not a hundred percent sure of, but I knew I wanted to work something in coffee and I really enjoyed tasting coffee. And when I became a lead barista, um, I knew I was going to cup more and learn more about the coffee and at that point, I was just was trying to learn as much as I could. Um, so 
but I, I've always been like that. Even when I worked in restaurants, I would, I would just like, if I, the chefs were line cooks weren't busy, I'd be like, so how are you cooking this? What are you doing with that? And then I would just do stuff at home, you know, like I, I'll, I'll just learn if I, if I can't, um, learn something wherever I am, I'm going to just be really bored and probably get fired. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the only jobs I've ever been fired from were desk jobs, really boring desk jobs. Um, everything else I'm usually just kind of like just I'm a researcher you know I, I will get 100% into anything uh so that I'm so you know so the more information you have the more you can do with it so I I always um naturally just kind of and if I'm interested in it like coffee I was like oh my gosh there's no end to this so that and I thought at that point I was like this is why I want to do this because I'm not going to get bored I'm not going to be like, oh, well, that's all the coffee there is to taste, you know, like every year is different. Um, so every coffee is different. <laughs> How do you apply that mentality to what you do now as the director of coffee? Um, I think, well, I think um, I don't, I don't know what I want all the time or like what I'm thinking of. I, I just kind of, um, I don't overlook anything, you know, I, I, will I have I have a certain level of expectations for certain coffees but I won't like turn away hardly any random sample that shows up on my desk I'll always cup it I'll always because uh, even if it's not something I can buy there's still something I can learn there whether it's about the producer or somebody who brought me a coffee or you know a new connection I can make with someone who has uh, the same idea about coffee but I, I just kind of like I'm always open to um, to everything and uh, always kind of like just trying different things just to see what works. And, and I'm learning. I'm still learning as I go. Like, you know, I have this title director of coffee and people are like, wow, you know, you must know like everything about coffee. And I'm like, I, I, I know what I know. And what I know is always getting revised. So I don't really, it's like a moving target. And that's how I approach sourcing, roasting, um, you know, tasting notes. It's not, you're not going to get the same thing every time. It's, you have to be okay with like setting a goal, achieving it, and then setting another goal like immediately after. <laughs> um, so I, I don't, uh, yeah, I, I don't think it ever, you have to just be really fluid because it, it doesn't, I can't just say like, I want this one coffee to taste like this all the time and keep sourcing it forever. Like you have to be okay with it to be different or, um, you know, I, and I, I think just in giving honest feedback too is really important, but I, I'm always just trying to take everything in and give my best, um, judgment on it. I don't know if that's, I went off on a tangent there, but no, you did it. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> It's um, it's fun to like try to write down the things that people say because like you know maybe this is a little insidery, but like mm -hmm. as you're talking, I'll try to write down like quotes so I can be like, okay, when I post this on Instagram later, I have like a quote. But like I'm like writing furiously. You always have I'm, the like, best oh, quotes God. though. I have to say, <laughs> I try. No, you have like little sound bits or sound bites or like quotes. Yeah. Well, it's always like, oh, cool. I mean, it always makes me want to listen to what the rest of it. That's good. Yeah, <laughs> that makes me feel better. Yeah, yeah that's um, great. but. But going back to like something that you said earlier that I did write down, which I was able to capture, was that you you mentioned that you've never met someone who cups like you do, mm -hmm. and I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. Um, right, yeah. So I guess I uh, I I don't always say like 
um, what I think I taste, like I taste what I taste and that I know that's based on my references. Um, but I, what I do is I, I found a way somehow in my brain to translate what other, what's the closest thing that somebody would understand and pick out. So I, I'm a very organized, like, cupper, like, uh, you know, sometimes I don't even, I, I don't know, like, I sometimes I taste stuff, and I'm just kind of like, uh, there's not much there. I don't know, I get it depends on the day. So this is where it gets a little like, sticky for me when communicating about how I cup, but I go through a couple different layers in my brain of trying to figure out what's there um, on instinct without thinking too much. And then also thinking a little bit about it after that first instinctual kind of sensor sensorial phase. And then how do I communicate that? And, um, I think a lot of people just say what they think, but don't take into consideration that what you taste and what you sense is based on everything that you've tasted on your entire life. Um, you know, your diet, how much sleep you got, what you ate for dinner last night, um, how much water you drank, all of these things. To me, all those things are variables, you know, and uh, <clears throat> I try and just pick the, the flavor notes that make the most sense to describe what I'm tasting. And I also kind of taste, sometimes I take taste out of it and I just sense, like, if I know that the middle of my palate is sensing acidity, um, I know I'm probably more sensing like malic acid, at least for me personally. If, I, if it's kind of like tingling in the back of my uh, like molar area, I know I'm getting, or like under my tongue, I'm getting like a more citric acidity. And that might be different for everybody, but sometimes I don't even really think about what the flavors are. I just kind of am like, I'm more sensitive to where I feel it uh, on my palate. And for me, that's more consistent like reading, uh, for the type of acidity at least. And then describing it is just kind of like from there, I just don't really deviate from where I'm sensing it. And I just know, I just narrow it down. Um, and I know that sounds probably pretty complicated for some people who are like, what is she talking about? Um, but I, I think that when you, it's just a practice, um, and it, it only comes from cupping more. And, uh, when I did I don't, I don't cup nearly as much as I used to, uh, volume wise, or even the different, you know, you have to cup a lot and you have to cup a lot of different things and kind of see how they all fit together. And, um, and I think eating the things that you, the, like eating the fruits and vegetables and, uh, that you do want to reference is really important and always updating your references. Like, try new fruits you see at a market or something you haven't tasted before. I'm always tasting everything. Um, and yeah, I think once you do that, it's just kind of like reestablishing those references. Like you might have really great references for some fruits and you might not have as great references for other, uh, for others. And then you just kind of reestablish that in coffee and just be able to pick them up on like a tiny, tiny amount. And, and, uh, but I usually don't even talk about the things that I taste in tiny amounts. I usually just pick my top three that I know are there based on what I'm sensing. And then that's when people are like, oh my God, that's exactly what I taste. I'm like, I probably wrote down 10 things and I just picked two <laughs> to talk about. And it's easier to get people to 
uh, relate. Um, Do you think a lot about that, like about the context in which you're tasting and who you're tasting with? Um, yeah, I do. Because when I, when I um, send results to producers or importers trying to calibrate, um, I, I, I'm not trying to, I mean, my scores are what they are and fair and honest, but I do want my, uh, especially for people who I can't cup with in the same room, which is often the case. I want to make sure that they understand what I'm saying and and not just like on a um, like language barrier kind of sense, but like, you know, we cup with people from all around the world. We're all eating different things. And um, I find it's best to stay kind of like general, not like, you know, not overly general, but you don't really need to go into these super embellished cupping notes. You can keep it pretty simple um, and accurate and I think that's the most important than saying like, uh, this tastes like creme brulee. Like I would never send that to, um, a producer or an importer or anybody else who might have a different background than me. Um, I would send just the stick, keep it simple, stick to, you know, I, I really do use the flavor wheel quite a bit. Um, and I, because I feel like at least even if I'm talking to somebody from, um, you know, Brazil, they have flavor wheels there and they look very similar to the one I use. And so I know that if I say apple, you know, or manzana or whatever, you know, or that I don't even know if it's manzana in Portuguese, but you know, if I say apple, they're going to know what I'm talking about. Like, so I don't want to say something they don't, um, haven't tasted or just kind of be aware that not everybody has tasted the same things as I have. Um, so it's best to keep it simple. Um, and embellish on, you know, embellish for your customers, <laughs> not for your fellow coffee professionals that have so many different experiences, you know. When earlier you mentioned that coffee kind of like fed like a, like a creative side to you, do you think that that is expressed through your sensory analysis and through building a sensory experience? Um, I think so, but I, I look at myself um, more as kind of just like, uh, like a vessel or like a channel. I don't think I'm adding anything. (laughs) I'm just taking it in, you know? Um, I, I, I do feel creative when I'm trying to, um, profile coffees and blend them together. But when I'm tasting the coffees, I'm really just like, I'm more of a conduit for all of these, uh, flavors to just come into me and, me like process them and make sense of it in a way that other people can appreciate and understand. Um, and I, yeah, so I, I'm just, and I think that's kind of why I feel so um, like almost spiritual about coffee. And like, I, this is what I'm supposed to be doing even when I didn't know it because I do have this skill that I really um, have worked on, but in addition to working on it, I, it, it affects me on a, um, a, a more kind of like not tangible kind of sense. Like I, coffee affects me on a spiritual level. Like when I drink coffee, like, and I know it's good, it's not just like, Oh, because it tastes so good. Like I, I have this whole like appreciation for, you know, where it's come from. And a lot of people do. Um, but I, for me, it's not like, uh, like I see the people and the coffee arrives and I'm appreciative. It's like, every little cell in my body, like receiving the caffeine is just like, this is 
the right type of coffee that I want to have in my system, like versus something that's conflicted and coming from people who are not being treated well. And, um, you know, the, I think the, the beans themselves hold a bit of, um, you know, energy that you can just sense when you're sourcing something sustainably and paying people enough to take care of themselves. And, um, you know, um, yeah, there's a lot of really passionate, so many, there's so much passion involved on the farm level that it's hard not to sense that when you, um, are part of that and, then consuming the coffee. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm just this person here, like helping. I'm not, um, you know, I'm not really the MVP in coffee. I really just kind of am a helper, um, in this industry and helping people like have more value to, I'm trying to add value to things and, and communicate them in a way that people will really, really love and appreciate. And, uh, and I, yeah, I I think that's all I'm doing. (laughs) That was beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it feels creative, but I, I'm not, I, I'm just really sensing, you know? Um, right. Yeah. It's, I'm like kind of soaking all of that in it for, for a moment. But I'm also thinking about like your understanding of the supply chain just because you have you have so much experience like working with farmers and really like kind of understanding really both intuitively but also like factually on a real level like what it takes to get a coffee from the farm to like your hands. Mm -hmm. Like what how does that kind of change like what you do because you're so like like involved connected to coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you know, and, and I really have just been scratching the surface on this. Like I, I, it's coffee is really like a fast moving, um, industry. So even though, you know, I've been working at Red Bay, a director of coffee, main responsibility, uh, purchasing green coffee for about a year and a half. And I came in with huge gaps of knowledge, like even coming from working at importers still that's, I was working quality control. So I wasn't really facilitating any contracts or anything. So, uh, learning as I go has been a huge thing. Um, but I really think that, um, it's changing my, my work because where we do a lot of direct trade. Um, so I spend, I, I, I have never really looked at how much time I spend um, facilitating contracts and working with different importers, um, but it, it, it's a lot more legwork than, say, somebody who was buying spot coffee. And there's, no, there's nothing wrong with buying really great, sustainable uh, spot coffee. I just, it's just not as rewarding. And um, when you have these connections to people, at the co-op level and you see them and you talk to them and, um, you know, not, not a lot of people know like what our co-ops, you know, how, how co-ops really work. But for us, at least we are lined up with a couple co-ops who benefit from the fact that we grow every year. Um, and sometimes you have to take a little bit more risk in the volume. Like I don't have control, um, necessarily on the exact number of, I don't have any control on how much coffee that a co-op can produce. Um, and if they have a great year and then 
we like we experienced this past year. I'll give you an example. Um, <clears throat> so our co-op that we work with in uh, Guatemala called La Ceiba Cooperative, they've only exported coffee to us only. And this is for the second year in a row. Bef previously, they were just selling whole cherries, um, you know, at a astoundingly low price locally and kind of getting ripped off. Um, so it took a lot of legwork. Um, there were a lot of challenges and hurdles like to get them um, their export license and, you know, up and running and get their coffee milled. And every, every step was, you know, took much, much longer than your normal process where, you know, you're importing or you're buying from an importer who's doing all of this work for you. Um, you know, we, we still do work with importers. Some people think direct trade means that you don't use an importer. Like, of course we use importers. Like how else is the coffee going to get here? I, I'm not a logistics expert. Um, however, uh, there is a lot more communication going back and forth with me and the co-op directly and sometimes a representative from the co-op. And uh, so anyway, Laceba, they got paid much more by us um, purchasing their coffee directly for the first time two years ago. And then what we saw was a lot of people leaving other co-ops to come work for Laceba, which is amazing. You know, you have, they have more support. Then the next harvest, they come in back and say they have like three times the amount of coffee that they did last year. And I was kind of like, okay, you know, slow, like silently freaking out on the inside. Like, what am I going to do with 150 bags of coffee? Like I'm not there yet in that volume. Um, but knowing that we're there, their only customer, uh, yeah, we contracted it all. And, um, you know, I was really nervous about what was going to happen. Cause I, to me, I was just like, I just overbought, but, uh, you know, I didn't because then six months later, um, we get, I think that, I think it was maybe six months later. Yeah. Probably about that. We found out that we got the Facebook micro kitchens account. So now the hundred bags that I thought would, that was going to totally be overbought was barely a drop in the bucket for what I needed to even get me through a third of the year. So, um, that is a totally different process than if, than, you know, and I do buy some spot copies, but I don't, I'm not in control of like how well, how much they produce, but every year if we do well and they do well, then we're both growing together. And that the idea is that we are matching ourselves or we are finding the right size and the right scale and the right balance so that we can take those risks and we can support them as they do well. And, um, you know, and, and then, in the future, my goals are definitely to help push their quality forward and not push, but like just provide them more resources. Like I don't know very much about, um, you know, the agricultural part of it, but I, I am, uh, but I know a lot of people who do and, um, I can try and provide resources to them. So that, that's really all I'm trying to do with the co-ops. I'm not really trying to be like, give me more coffee or make this better or try this. But, um, you know, what I can say is like, linking them up with the importer who is the right scale for them, who has the right resources and can maybe help them apply for grants to become certified organic or, and things like that. So, you know, I'm, I'm, again, I'm just kind of like helping. I'm not, you know, and I'm, I'm just saying like, Hey, this coffee deserves a chance. Um, and I think it's great. Other people think it's great. So we, you know, finding the right people to help is really important. And, uh, and I, you know, people come to me, um, 
looking for my help or by way of, you know, somebody else recommends them to come in or bring a sample. Like, so it's, it's never, um, I'm not ever looking for favors like that, but I'm always, I always want to help. And I always like people, once people know that you just meet all the right people and, uh, it all is just like a cycle, you know? So take, you have to take risks, but, uh, it's all, it, there's, it's so rewarding, but I was freaking out that day. <laughs> I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to tell them I'm not buying all their coffee. Like I, I, and, and I had this meeting with, um, you know, the rest of my team and I was like, we're their only, you know, we're, we're, we are their income, you know, and, uh, they, need the support and they don't have any other resources. They might in the future have other buyers, but until that day comes, you know, like we're um, responsible. So, yeah. You talk a lot about like the connections that you make with other people and kind of like the things that can come up when you just kind of put things out there. And I think that that kind of like speaks to your coffee career too. So like for people who kind of look at you and you're like, or are like, hey, like she's doing something that I want to be doing. Like what kind of advice do you have for people who are kind of trying to find their place? Yeah, I mean, especially like baristas, um, I think that it's important to at least let your supervisor or a manager or whoever you're working for know that you have a goal, um, a career-minded goal. You're not like, not that... um, baristas are disposable, but some people do, some people work a barista job to support themselves doing other things. Some people don't, but I think it's important to just say that out loud and also just kind of, you know, show that in your work as well. Uh, people will notice. I definitely knew that if I was going to say that, that I had to be the best that I could be. And, um, I, I'm a, I, I am slightly a, a bit competitive, I think, you know, but mostly on myself, like I want to be serving the best shots, not like better than other people necessarily, but I just want to be doing the best I can do all the time so that when somebody who comes in or coffee professional that I know comes in and I serve them, that they remember that shot of espresso I served them. And uh, yeah, that would always keep me going because I, I, the more I was involved in the community, the more people I would coffee professionals I would see out and about, the more coffee professionals I would serve. And uh, even if they didn't know who I was, like (laughs) I wasn't stalking them or whatever, but you know, the Bay Area is kind of small. (laughs) You see people around and if you're good with faces, you know, if you're a barista, you can kind of like, you know, you just know who people are, just kind of figure it out. And like, you know, if you're serving them, um, just be ready. Like I was just always ready, like to just serve the best coffee I could. And, and, uh, and then, yeah. And then the other thing was just my community. Like I, I found a lot of support, um, volunteering for the BACC. And and I know they've been like, there's been a resurgence of Bay Area coffee community, but I can't say that I wouldn't have figured it out without that community, but I wouldn't have had nearly as much support and I wouldn't have, uh, figured out where I fit in like the the puzzle of things if, and if, and I think as a barista, it's really important to understand that your role is crucial, um, to the coffee. So feeling that connection really propelled me and inspired me to kind of do more. Um, and, uh, and to be patient because I, I tell people all the time, it's like, 
you know, if you're a woman of color in coffee, like one, it's going to be harder for you. If you're a woman in coffee, it's going to be harder for you. It's going to be harder for a lot of people in coffee. And that's like what we're, a lot of people are talking about now. Um, just the, the industry. So, and that doesn't mean that it is, it's really cool because it's changing so quickly, but, um, and I, I do see the change, but, but you can't get discouraged really easily because like I said, I think I mentioned before or to you, I'm not sure, but there's so many jobs um, and there's so much coffee that there are jobs. You really just kind of have to um, pay your dues. I think, you know, it, it's a, tra- I still consider it a trade industry. So, you know, the amount of hours you put in, people are just going to respect you more, the more you do, um, the more ground floor working up. I, I don't think I skipped any steps. I mean, I might've skipped, I might've skipped a step in between my, the job I have now and, um, my previous job at Vol Cafe, but I, I was a barista for years and then I was a, a lead barista for another year. And then, you know, it, then it kind of, it felt like I was at the same level for a long time. And then I had like a couple big jumps and somebody explained that that's how the coffee industry works to me. And I, once I had that in mind, I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to feel really hard on myself if I'm not, you know, if I'm like a 30 year old barista, which I was at that point and, um, really kind of feeling like, where is my career? Where is my career? You know, like where, what am I doing? And I was getting wrist tendonitis and I was like, I'm too old to be doing this. I'm running out of my patience for customer service on this level and I need to figure out and out. And that's when I really just kind of like used my network, um, to the best of my ability to, um, to move into, in like quality control. And from there, you know, I had to make some life adjustments. I had to move from Oakland to Petaluma. Um, I didn't even have a car. I was riding my bike four miles each way to work once I lived in Petaluma until I could get a car. And I just, at that point, I, I was just so focused and so dedicated that like nothing could even stop me. <laughs> I just was, I, I felt like, a, I felt like I was on this, like, I was being this person that I was like, who I, I didn't even think I was this driven and focused until I finally was transitioning out of my barista career into my next step because I knew it was so crucial for me to do it that I just wouldn't even let any shortcomings even just slow me down. I was just like, great, I'm going to ride my bike every day to work. I'm going to be one of those people. Awesome. Like, you know, never before would have ever done that or said that, but um, I just did what it took. And then, uh, yeah. And since then I kind of have been able to calm down a little bit, but, um, but every year I find something new to really inspire me to push the boundaries of what's, uh, possible. even, you know, like what I think I can accomplish and what other people can accomplish or what you think is, I mean, what you think you can accomplish is I, I always find it being so far off, like from what actually happens, but, um, I, I'm a very like go with my gut kind of instinctive person. Uh, and I just get all excited and like, I almost like yeah, I, the whole sensory experience has just heightened so many of my other senses, I think. And I just go with that with, on people, uh, interactions, tasting coffee, career choices. I just, um, you know, I'm just on it. <laughs> Well, you seem like you trust like you, 
I do now. Like yeah, you- I do. Um, and I, and I trust, I trust the coffee more, I think, but I, uh, I trust myself to, to, um, keep moving forward at least. And when it's any decision I've made, um, for my career with coffee, as long as it was just kind of, even if it was more difficult or inconvenient, um, it's always been the right decision just because I look to coffee to, to get me there. And, um, without, without it, I wouldn't have this job and without any of the people who I have met or worked with or producers or, you know, any of the women who inspire me, like so much, there's so many people that inspire me so much that I now, especially like, um, meeting members of the IWCA and finding that whole community, uh, female producers, um, that's what now is kind of keeping me focused. And, um, you know, I'm just always learning from other people and listening to what they have to say. And then, you know, and I, I hope I can share that well with others so that I can inspire somebody too. But, um, but I'm always just kind of like, Hey, I don't know anything like (laughs) this is a really cool last job. Um, but I did put a lot of work into getting here and I, feel responsible for making decisions that will benefit others. And, um, that part of the job is always something that I hope to not ever stray too far away from. What are you excited about right now? Oh gosh. Um, so many things. Uh, well, I'm really excited about Red Bay and, um, our growth this year is going to be insane. Uh, we're already, we've already hired so many amazing new people. Um, and we, we have very little turnover, um, from all of our different departments. And I can't really, I, yeah, I, I wish there's probably, there's more I wish I could talk about, but I think that I'm most excited for us to grow and expand into some new markets. And I, I wouldn't have said this a few months ago because I was really scared of what that meant and not feeling ready or, you know, confident as we all just kind of like doubt ourselves, like when change is about to happen. But I personally love change and uh, I love a challenge and it's just like these challenges are just kind of like back to back right now. So um, I think we've got, well, first, I think there's a lot of really amazing coffees that we're going to have this year that I'm uh, like, especially some that I couldn't quite get last year, um, just for whatever reason. And, uh, yeah, so some new coffees for us, um, new positions and hiring is going to be a big thing for us in this year. And, um, I'm really proud of like our company because, you know, everybody's talking about diversity and inclusion and we've been doing it for five years. Like I haven't been here, been at Red Bay for five years, but Red Bay as a company has been providing those spaces for people and providing opportunities for people for five years before there was any, you know, um, podcasts about it before there was any talks about intersectionality, red bait was already doing it. So, you know, we're going to keep doing it. And, um, expansion is definitely in our future because there's really a need for, um, more accessible spaces for people of all people. And, um, you know, I, I think we're 
starting to hit that tipping point or turning point uh, of um, just growth and success. And uh, I think I also, there's a lot to learn from some of the larger companies in the area and beyond and learning from the people who have paved the way and kind of just putting our own little, our big spin on things. And um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I can't, I don't really know like as far as what the next five years would even look like, but Kaba is kind of like a, you know, he's a vision visionary type and he has a sense about him too, where the company is going to go and he trusts us to help get it there. So um, I, and just like ready for all of it and also not ready, but you know, you can only be so prepared. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited and looking forward to it. And it, it, it really is exciting. Um, I don't know how many, how many times can I say like exciting, <laughs> but you could say it as many yeah, times as it's really like. exciting. <laughs> I'm really excited and uh, I'm super grateful for, you know, everything, but I also really, you know, I, I put in the work and uh, I think a lot of people no, you know, I didn't just pop up like, I didn't just like show up like, oh, I, you know, was a barista and now I'm doing this thing. It's like, no, I, I put it, I, I was very focused for the second half. And that's when I started seeing the result in my career that I wanted. Um, so, yeah, I think anybody can do it. <laughs> I have this like picture in my head of you where like, there's like a desk full of like messy stuff, but you know exactly where everything is. Like you're that. Yeah, that's kind of exactly that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I, I try and <laughs> I, I try and keep like the area, like a big area clean, but I do have a corner of samples, you know, and um, samples and papers and business cards. And uh, I, I do. But like, you know where it all yeah, is. Yeah, no, I know. I know where that little, you know, 50 grams left over of, uh, you know, natural Brazil sample is, you know, I, I do, but it's, I'm hoping to get more organized in the future because I don't think I can sustain that, um, for too much longer because just, we're just getting busier. I'm getting more and more samples, but I, and I do kind of go do like a sweep, but I, I have such a connection now to some of these coffees and I'm like, I don't want to, like, what am I going to do with this little sample, like 20 gram sample? I can't throw it away. You know, I I feel like sometimes I just want to, uh, put them all together and, do something with them, but you know, we, we do donate some things, um, well, roasted and green beans, but I, I, uh, yeah, my samples, I'm always just like, oh, I remember this from last year, you know, but I guess I should probably do some spring cleaning soon. <laughs> I was just mentioning it more as a like state of mind almost. Yeah. Like you just seem to be like one of these people who, like kind of like can can appreciate the chaos but can also like navigate her way through it if that makes sense yeah i i mean i go i i do i can navigate through my own chaos i i do really like structure um so i i'm i i'm kind of i don't really make sense <laughs> i i really enjoy structure but then i need the freedom to create within a structure um and uh sometimes that can be a little bit messy but I, and I don't always know what I, I know sometimes I do things and I don't know why I'm doing them yet, or I, I want certain things, but I don't know why. And I I just go with it and hope it irons itself out in the 
you know, and the other end. And um, yeah, I, I feel very moved by coffee and I don't, I try and think, take, I try and take the least thinking out of some of the things I do because I have to think so hard on, you know, some other less fun things like, you know, money related things or, you know, projecting coffee. It's, it's all very like, um, numbers and stuff. Like I, I do have to focus on that. But so I, when I approach coffee, I just want it to be like a really organic, um, experience and source what we can that makes the most sense. And, um, yeah, I, I same. Yeah. I, I don't like everything to be super and everything in its space. It has to be, I, things are always changing. So I need to be able to move stuff around. And I come up with things like sometimes right before I'm falling asleep and I'm like, okay, I'm going to change this blend tomorrow, or I'm going to make this, uh, fix a problem with coffee. <laughs> coffee fixed a lot of my problems but yeah. So I'm, that's why I'm here. I'm just, I owe it back. I think. You're incredible. I love talking to you. Is there (laughs) like, if anybody wants to like reach out to you or find you like on social media, like where can they find you? Yeah. Um, so I, I'm, you can totally email me. I'm not like, you know, I, I love talking to people. Um, I'm just Alicia at redbaycoffee.com and I'm also Mrs. Underscore espresso on Instagram. Um, I'm kind of like, you know, I'm an old millennial, so I'm not, I don't even, I'm when people have like animated things on their stories, I'm like, how do they even do that? And I'm like, never mind. I can't, I, I just don't, I don't know how, but it's fine. Um, so yeah, my Instagram is not, uh, I, I hope I'm going to be posting more this year just because of some hopefully more coffee things that I'm doing. But, uh, I, yeah, I love talking to people about coffee. People have reached out to me on Instagram. I will always respond. I, you know, I don't really get that many messages to where I'd be like, I'm not responding to you. If people send me a message to talk about coffee, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you reached out. Thank you. You know, like, let's talk or come stop by, you know, you know, I'm not, I'm not always at the headquarters space, but I am a lot. And, you know, I, my door is, it's not even a real door. So, you know, you can always just come back and say hi. Like, I don't, um, I love talking about what I do and how I do it. And, it and other people inspire me and I'm really um introverted about most things except for uh coffee <laughs> so um so yeah so if you get me talking about it I'll we can you know have a whole day of it and uh the caffeination doesn't hurt either although I'm not quite as uh sensitive as I used to be but um but yeah I, I there's no limit to the things you can explore and the people you could meet and the, you know, traveling for me was traveling for work was like something that I never even thought I'd be able to do. You know, I used to work at a hospital and then I just felt so stuck there just because like, wow, I'm just going into this lab and I was, I was helping people then too, but it was just so far removed from um, what I, the way I wanted to help people. So uh, yeah. Thanks again for joining us. No, thanks for having me. I'm glad we got to um, catch up, like catch up and chat and everything. I know. I feel like, you know, we used to live in the same place and I'd see you more often. And now I'm like, meow. I know there's so many people that I don't get to see anymore. I'm like, okay, so I'll see you at SCA, right? That one time a year, we all have to see each other. That's it. Yeah. Got to squeeze it all in. Well, (laughs) Well, again, thanks for joining us and thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye.
Pospirista is made by me, Ashley Rodriguez, in collaboration with Good Beer Hunting, which is an industry-leading design studio, editorial platform, and podcast examining all the ways we look at the things that we eat and drink. You can check out more at goodbeerhunting.com. Seriously, their stories are incredible. My favorite series right now is the Humanity and Hospitality series that they've been running for the past couple of months, examining different ways that we look at people in the service industry. Special thanks to Jesse Raub and Jordan Stalling. Also special thanks to our music contributors, the band Lost in the Sun. You've made this podcast sound incredible. I'm just looking for a better day.